HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Sarah Kim, and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Go to Cheeselandia.com to learn more, and if it's for you, sign up. Hi, I'm Mike Schreiber, and welcome to The Shameless Chef, the show that takes us back in time to home kitchens in the 1970s, but still has a lot to teach us today. I developed this show with Michael Davenport in 1977. He was the original host of The Shameless Chef, and he shared his fearless attitudes towards food and encouraged home cooks to have fun and take some risks in the kitchen. I'm excited to keep this legacy alive and share The Shameless Chef with you on Heritage Radio Network. Today's episode features a few tips for enjoying healthful food. Michael's suggestion for dieting with your eyes is one of the programs I've always remembered throughout the years and still think about when preparing a meal. Michael and I were discussing meal preparation one afternoon, and I was describing a meal I had prepared for my wife and kids the day before, and I can't remember exactly what the issue was, but Michael said, you're missing a color. I asked, what do you mean? And he said, you've got too many browns. It took a bit more explanation, but I finally realized that he was talking about the color of my food. He said, you need to add a variety of colors of foods to your plate to get a healthier meal. As I thought about it, it made sense. Different colors add variety and necessary vitamins to food. For years, I found myself thinking about what colors are in the food I'm about to prepare. And ironically, I'll think about the color at the center of the plate instead of thinking about the other ingredients. I'll think about a different color, then identify what foods are that color and search them out. I know we all think about needing green food, but did you ever think about needing orange food or blue food? It's an interesting way to plan your meals. I'm no dietitian, I grant you that vigorously. I'm no calorie counter either, cooking or eating. I may be a nut, but not a health food nut. But this I am, the shameless chef. I'm healthy, well-fed, and a little smug. Can health come out of being shameless? Mm-hmm, sometimes. Mm-hmm. As stated, I'm not about to give you advice about cooking that helps you lose weight, lower your cholesterol count, decrease or increase your liquid intake. But some rules of thumb or kitchen tricks that you might not ordinarily think of can help you to eat better, enjoy what you eat, and please your friends and family, and do it all by being ooh, a little shameless in the kitchen. A few examples? Okay. If you serve a meal that is colorful, that is, if there are enough colors in what you serve, the chances are the meal will be balanced. 
You know, red beets, green spinach, browned meat, white potatoes. Generally, if the eye is pleased, the palate will be pleased as well, and health will be served. When it's blistering hot, what looks and tastes better than a cool, crisp, colorful salad? And what could be better for you? Uh, dietary restrictions permitting. On cold, blustery days, uh, don't you welcome good, hearty, steaming soup? Best thing in the world for you, and it warms the cockles of your heart as well as your frozen lips. You have a weight problem. Usually you eat too much. Okay, think thin. Serve a thin and sparse meal. Well, not stingy, for goodness sakes, but neat, understated. You'll push away your plate, pleased and satisfied, gluttony permitting. They tell me, and my, my personal experience bears this out, that what looks good, or sounds good, this being radio after all, usually is something that your body needs and is sending your mind a signal. Meat and potatoes, gobblers notwithstanding. So, idiotically simple though it may sound, you can actually diet with your eyes. No, it's not all that dumb. To paraphrase a recently popular phrase, if it sounds good and looks good, eat it. Is that shameless enough for you? Michael A. Davenport here. Bon appetit. This is the shameless chef. Let me go on record about bread. If it's softer than a cushion, the chances are it's neither nutritious nor flavorful. If the bread is too hard to cut with a knife and has to be chopped, the chances are it's too nutritious. But there are lots of great breads in between these two extremes. This program might be called a slice of loaf. Let me give you some of the symptoms of what I call a loathsome loaf. It's moist and gudgy enough to be rolled into pellets and thrown, and that's about all it's good for. It's so soft and cozy that no way are you going to spread it with cream cheese or even peanut butter without tearing it. And so white it makes you snow blind. Now, it's not my intent to insult the average commercial bakery because the company probably advertises on radio, but they do make other kinds of bread. There's the family of diet breads. Now, whether you're dieting or not makes no difference. They usually present something different in flavor and a change. The texture is pleasing, but at least there is texture. Now, now, please, I don't want to get into the battle about nutrition and vitamins and enrichment and such. I'm talking about the flavor and the palate. Also, I confess to considerable perplexity over the words natural and natural ingredients. What, on the other hand, is unnatural? But the highly touted return to nature has brought us a great variety of breads on the grocer's shelves. If you're in the habit of reaching for a loaf and squeezing it like uh, another household product, then I'd suggest you try something else. Usually, if the bread is some other color than white, it's interesting. Wheat, whole grain, rye, pumpernickel, peasant bread, any of the ethnic breads, Italian, French, Jewish. I'd further recommend unsliced bread for a change. There's more than mere ceremony in breaking bread. It heightens the experience of eating, although it uh, does produce crumbs, but then... Uh, I, I've oft sung the praises of home-baked bread, and doubtless will do so again. If you're still uncommitted to home activity, then I'd encourage you to reach out for something beside the old standby spongy bread. That is, if you're ready to give up throwing bread pellets across the dining table. Michael A. Davenport here. Uh, well, bread, may I add? Uh, bon appetit. We'll be back after this break. My name is Sarah Kim and I'm from Austin, Texas. 
I'm a cheese landian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Wisconsin cheese has proven time and time again to be a delicious expression of craft, hard work, and tradition. As a cheese landian, I am able to share a Gouda experience with fellow cheese and food lovers nationwide, as well as connect with cheese producers and cheesemongers, taking my love of cheese to another level. I invite you to join Cheeselandia because during these difficult times, it has been even more important to take it easy and get cheesy. The Cheeselandia community and events have been the glue helping to keep us together and connected, and I would love it if you would join me. And let's face it, if you hear the word cheese and get a little hungry, then you've found a place you can call home. To find out more about Cheeselandia, go to Cheeselandia.com. We're back with The Shameless Chef. Why do people always laugh when you mention the word prunes? Prunes. <laughs> you see, you're doing it. Do you laugh over rhubarb or seedless Thompson white grapes? No, but prunes. <laughs> this is the shameless chef. Okay, let's have a laugh on prunes. The prune is a plum, right? You see them in the market. Plum prunes. Prune plums. <laughs> We're mostly familiar with them sold in cellophane packs or boxes. Dried and wrinkled. Wrinkled as an old prune. That's funny, I guess. Then there are the laxative qualities of prunes, also very funny, I guess. What with the old wrinkled visage and the quality of prunes that induces regularity, there seems to be some geriatric connection, and that's funny, but not very. Uh, prunes are good, good a lot of ways, and good for you. And we all forget about them from time to time. In addition to being dried and wrinkled and sold in packets, you can buy canned prunes, uh, prune juice, prune juice blended with other juices, many ways. Uh, here are some interesting things to do with prunes that you might not have thought about. Drop a handful of dried prunes in a stew and let them simmer along with the meat and the vegetables. There's a classic Jewish dish called a simis that requires prunes, and it's delicious. You can soak dried prunes until they plump up and seed them, and then add them to breakfast food, if such is your predilection. It's not mine. Chopped prunes go well in any recipe that calls for dates. Kids like to chew on dried prunes just as they come from the package, and adults too, for that matter. Prunes are good for you, what is more, aside from that geriatric thing everybody seems to laugh about. And I have a pipe-smoking friend who puts a couple of prunes in the humidor that holds his pipe tobacco, although he's never given me a satisfactory reason why. Uh, perhaps you know. Oh, a giggly historical note. Most prunes are grown in the Santa Clara Valley in California. Indeed, there is a Santa Clara prune. The first prunes came here in 1856 from France. Some enterprising agronomist in France took cuttings of the French prune, stuck them into potatoes, packed them in sawdust, and thence in two leather trunks. They survived the voyage around the Horn and up the coast to California, thence to Santa Clara. Now, isn't that something you've been longing to hear? Michael A. Davenport here. Repeat after me, prunes. <laughs> Please, subscribe to The Shameless Chef wherever you get your podcasts. The voice you heard throughout this episode was Michael Davenport, the host of The Shameless Chef, who unfortunately passed in 1985, but lived a truly vibrant life. The Shameless Chef is produced by Dylan Hoyer and me, Mike Schreiber, with podcast development and additional production by Kat Johnson. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. The original theme song for The Shameless Chef was composed by Chip Davis. 
Armin Spengen composed the theme music for this podcast. The Shameless Chef is powered by Simplecast. The Shameless Chef is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio.